Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is brought to you by DeMarini. Are you ready to join the uprising? More than 150 programs around the nation have, including back-to-back Division I and II national champions, Oregon State and Tampa, and Division III national champion Keene. Log on to demarini.com backslash dnation and check out the Voodoo Minus 3 to see why the SC3 alloy is the most powerful and durable performance alloy on the market. It gives you the pop you need to get along because chicks don't dig the ground ball. The Uprising, coming to a ballpark near you. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, college style, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. Aaron, it was uh, probably the biggest weekend of the year in college baseball this weekend. The Super Regionals, uh, 16 teams. 16 different sites where you have two, I mean, eight different sites where you have two teams enter, one team leave, to give you a little Mad Max uh, Thunderdome reference. And uh, last night, uh, Monday night, the shocker of all the shockers, the most interesting Super Regional, Fresno State goes down to Arizona State and upsets the Sun Devils in a uh, historic, really, Super Regional. So let's recap our field. We're set to, Aaron, and we'll just dive right in and talk about the Super Regionals and this week's uh, Top 25, the final Top 25 entering the College World Series here at Baseball America and BaseballAmerica.com. Miami, the number one national seed advances. They will face Georgia, the Southeastern Conference regular season champion. Another part of that bracket will have Stanford, second place in the Pac-10, but first in your hearts, the Cardinal will uh, face off against Florida State, which is the number four national seed. On the other bracket, Number two national seed, North Carolina, the two-time runner-up in this tournament. They will face LSU, the, the Southeastern Conference Tournament champion. And then the other two teams, Rice and Fresno State, Aaron. And let's just dive right into Rice and Fresno State. Former Western Athletic Conference foes, uh, Rice owned that league as long as it was in that league. It's like they own every league ever since Wayne Graham got there. But now Rice and Fresno State are going to play with the stakes being a little bit higher, Aaron. Uh, now you're welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know what? You talked about the super regionals and the format and the best of three thing. And um, what, what, a, what a great format! First of all, before it's we go awesome. any further, I just want to I want to I want to give college baseball credit for for doing something great for the sport. Uh, you know, a few years back now, 1999. This is this is this is perfect. I, I just love the best out of three. Um, you know, and, and and it's 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 we hear we hear some people gripe once in a while about how it's so unfair that you have to go on the road uh, to win to win a super regional. But you know what? Fresno State goes to Arizona State, one of the toughest places to play, yep. um, against a team that is incredibly good at home, and, and they and they win two out of three after losing the first game. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't say enough about this. I think, I think Fresno State, to me, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They were, they were a very strong number four seed. Yes, we did. Um, but that said, they were still a number four seed. Correct. And the reason for that is they lost 27 games in the regular season. Um, you know, their RPI was like 89th. I mean, I, I, I hope the committee will, will maybe start giving less weight to the RPI when it comes to, to seeding these things because really there's not a lot of difference between Fresno State and, and Alabama, which lost 26 games, and Alabama right. was a three seed. Uh, Fresno is the more talented team. I know, and the, and the talent part is really hard to measure. It is. Uh, the draft does give you a good idea of it. You know, Long Beach State, just pretty disappointing. 11 players drafted, one and two in a regional at home. 
three straight regionals at home. You know, Long Beach State, to me, I'm kind of skeptical of that program right now. You know, I mean, uh, Mike Weathers does a great job out there and all that, but 11 players drafted, and really, the best you can do is one and two in the postseason. Yeah, you know, at, at, your, at your own ballpark, Correct. too, where, where, really, where your team is really built to play in that ballpark. I know they got a tough regional and all that, but I know San Diego, Cal, Fresno State, that was a very difficult regional, but guess what? Somebody's going to win that regional. No matter how tough it is, one of those teams is going to win it, Yeah, and it should be you. You're the host team, and you had 11 players drafted, you know? Um yeah, Arizona, 11 players drafted. That's Guess what? That's why we ranked them second in the preseason. We thought they were preloaded. Uh, and, and, they, and they were, to be fair, they made, they made a super regional. They, you know, they pushed right. the number one team in the nation to three games. Absolutely. They, you know, no, just, no knock on Arizona. Absolutely. Hey, and and my, you know, Miami had, I think, eight or nine players drafted. And, you know, NC State, guess what? This is the best season NC State's had in years. Guess what? They set a school record with nine players drafted. You know, um, Cal State Fullerton only had six players drafted, only one of the first ten rounds. That might be why we didn't rank the Titans in the preseason. We really didn't think this was the best mix. I think we both thought that there might be a transition year for the Titans, and then next year with this freshman class we just saw have a, the kind of year they had, and coming into next year, I think I thought Fullerton was going to be a monster in 2009. Absolutely. But that 2008 might be an adjustment period. And, Full and the reason to those was players be- and Dave Serrano that it wasn't. The reason was uh, – with, with Fullerton, I mean, we're kind of bouncing around here, but whatever. Yeah. Fullerton on the mound was we addre- we addressed that in the preseason. They looked a little shaky on the mound. They had some you know some veterans, but not power arms. And and I think that's you know this weekend we saw kind of Kaplan. I mean, those guys weren't bad. I mean, they right. only lost four to three that first game against Stanford. I mean, Kaplan and Arbiso. They were good. They were great all year. Very gritty and gutty. They had a terrific season. They really did. Uh, but in the end, they were short on the mound, and, and Stanford uh, had the more talented guy in Jeremy Blige, and and and, uh, uh, and talent won out. Their X factor all year. We've talked about it all year. Was Jeremy Blige? If they had Jeremy Blige healthy for the postseason, I, I I said it all spring. I liked their chances. He was a difference maker for them. He made, gave them a number one starter, yeah. and he looked the part for sure in the opener of that super regional. Really, one of the best pitch games. Of any of the super regionals was Jeremy Bly, six yeah. innings, three hits, one unearned run. He has not given up an earned run in ten postseason innings. He's a difference maker for Stanford. But we and, also go ahead, finish and, your thoughts. You know, and, and you're right, and that's the reason I didn't uh, I didn't think Stanford had enough horses on the mound to get to Omaha heading into this thing was because Jeremy Blyche really hadn't been a factor for the entire season. He was a complete he, he just started unknown. to work his way back at the end. He was complete unknown. Yep. You know, he pitched well in relief in the regionals, but he still walked a bunch of guys. Correct. Uh, so for him to, to come to to go down to Fullerton against a very patient team a very so much offense. pressure on you and for him to 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 keep that offense uh, in check the way he did very very impressive i can't wait to see that matchup with, with florida state we'll talk about that later this week well, right we are bouncing around a little bit but that's our some of the first impressions we had from regionals and super regionals let's bear down on some of the super regionals and go back to pitching arizona state air we ranked them ninth in the preseason for this very reason we didn't know if they had the pitching depth to get to omaha and after making us look bad for most of the season, Arizona State uh, proved us prophetic. Uh, they could, did not have the pitching depth this weekend. The cumulative effect of not having a deep enough staff, not having enough guys they could trust, not having Jason Franzblau in position to help really help you in the postseason, came back and bit them. They did not have enough pitching against a very offensive veteran uh, Fresno State team. I think Fresno State's lineup depth, uh, getting four hits yesterday out of Danny Grubb, a sub-200 hitter, this is too much for Arizona State's pitching. And when Arizona State had to go deep, deep in that well to go back to Mike Leake on one day's rest and go back to Ike Davis, 
they just didn't have enough pitching when it was all said and done. And, and, and you're right. Mike Lee coming back uh, on one day's rest after throwing seven and two-thirds innings on Friday. Uh, you know, but I think I think everyone saw that coming. I know I saw yes, it coming. Absolutely. I mean, there was you no— You knew they were going to go to Leak. When it, if, if they had an inning with a game on the line— they were going to put the ball in Mikey, Mike Leake's hands. That's, but they, they had to do that all year long. I mean, we've we've seen this all year long from these guys. They don't have enough arms. And guess what, like, John? He was kind of like the Kelly Leak to the Bad News Bears. Mike Leake was to the Arizona State Sun Devils. How about that? Okay, anyway. So, so guess what, John? <laughs> uh, Arizona State finishes the season ranked number nine, right where they started. That's uh, that's that, that's kind of the be all and the end all of it. Uh, Which isn't to say that we're, we're right about all kinds of things, but hey, no, uh, maybe not. a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Uh, there huh? you go. Uh, but uh, Arizona State is a tremendous season, but full credit to Fresno State. Um, this was just a, again, a lineup. You know, there's some deceiving numbers on here. You do have a guy like Mendes, Mendonca. I really want to pronounce his name differently, but it is Mendonca. Uh, who leads the nation in strikeouts by wide margin. He looks Sean Ratliff looked like a contact hitter. This guy's got 89 strikeouts <laughs> coming into last night's game. and uh, But he hits a huge home run, and he does lead Fresno State in home runs. He does have big power. And talking to their coaches late in the season, talking to scouts about their team for the draft, they all say, you know, Mendonca's going to be interesting for next year because he's got legitimate power and athleticism. Eh? He's an he's exciting player. I like him at he's, third base, he's too. He's an exciting player. Eric Wetzel, yeah, great senior offensive second baseman in college. Gets a lot of big hits for another, that club, and he has for years. Another key senior, Steve Susdorf, who hits the big hits in that uh, breakout seventh inning last night. Well, Wetzel was, and right. Susdorf. Wetzel with the three-run double, great at bat, down the right field line, took what the pitcher gave him, outside, outer half, pitch from Leak, steered down the right field line. And then again, uh, Susdorf, uh, a tired Mike Leak, left the pitch up, Susdorf destroyed it. So their key guys came through for them. Brandon Burke, who's been there forever in the mound, gassed but finishes it off. But how about uh, Sean Bonesteel, a guy, first of all, with a fantastic name, Bonesteel. But Sean Bonesteel, a guy with a six-plus ERA. So the team in Arizona State that does have arms, but when they go to their arms, uh, their less trusted arms, those guys don't come through. Yeah. Fresno State, Bone Steel does come through. How do you explain that's, that, Aaron? That's the difference, and I, I, frankly, it's inexplicable because they also yeah. they brought in a left-hander before Bone Steel who had a 7-plus ERA, and, and he, he held his own and kept those guys in check. I mean, you know, this is this – is, uh, it was just remarkable for me. I, I, I didn't give Fresno State much of a chance in this regional, um, you know, and I, and I like Fresno State. I, I, you know, I think they're, they're talented and they're gritty, but – but come on, I mean, Arizona State has been blowing people out, especially at home, all year long. And plus, Fresno State, let's not forget, goes into this super regional without its number one pitcher, Tanner yeah. Shepard, yeah. a guy with top ten talent, uh, out with a shoulder injury. So and they don't win when they have Justin Wilson, right. uh, who's like, what, a fourth-round pick, on the mound the, in the next game. So that, that figured to be their best shot to, to win this series was, was to have their ace left-hander against all those Arizona State lefties in that first game and win that one and then try to steal one. Well, what happens? They lose the opener with Wilson on the mound, but, but the bullpen comes up huge the next two games. I mean, Brandon Burke on, on uh, Sunday, I believe, with just you know, yeah, three, three and a third plus, yep. uh, innings of just shutout relief. I mean, that's... Uh, he did that to close out the regional the weekend before against San Diego. He went three, I think, three and two-thirds innings shutout innings and uh, but he didn't have that was the last game of that regional he didn't have to come back the next day and finish out like he did yeah. last night and uh, full credit to Fresno State I mean uh, Arizona State just uh, uh, I think it's a crushing disappointment 
for that team. They did lose a lot from last year. They had a very strong junior yeah. class. They had 14 players drafted to tie the all-time record. Third team in the last four years to have 14 players drafted. The other two teams are 05 Fullerton and last year's Rice team. And guess what? Two of those three teams did not get to Omaha. 05 Fullerton did not get to Omaha, and Rice last year did. Arizona State this year does not. John, before we move on, what do you make of that uh, uh, that uh, ridiculousness before the game with Ike, Ike Davis and, and Brett Wallace? I just uh, my gut tells me that that was uh, uh, not a real fight. That that was contrived. That's certainly the way that they're spinning it right now. So I mean, maybe maybe that's true. I thought it was contrived um, as something to get the team fired up. That said, uh, the scouts I talked to in the four corners area. I've done draft out there for three years now, and the scouts I talked to out there. I wouldn't put that past Ike Davis. I like Ike Davis as a player. He's improved immensely. I respect players who do that, respect players who have a flaw and correct it, and that's what Ike Davis did. He's incorporated his lower half more to his swing this year. He's not spinning off balls anymore. He's driving the ball a lot more this year. That's why he's a first-round pick. I believe in him as a player, but some people would not put that past Ike Davis. Uh, well, seeing, seeing Brett Wallace get a face full of turf there uh, leads me to believe that maybe maybe it wasn't so staged. He, he, when he stood up, he didn't look too happy. I'll say that. But uh, then again, you know, looked like Pat Murphy was kind of looking on uh, uh, quietly from the sidelines. So who knows? But but the point is, one program, way or the other, honestly, it's, you don't put anything past <laughs> Coach I, Murphy. I agree, John. But one way or the other, whether it's staged or not, it's ridiculous, and and, and it's. Uh, it didn't work. It didn't work, and and uh, it's I don't know. You you won't see anything like that at any other program, you, will you? I mean, can you think of any other place where you would see that kind of thing happen right before a, a big decisive super regional it's game? Pretty hard to imagine. It's pretty hard to imagine. Well, that's maybe that's why they're they're staying at home. Arizona State staying at home. I guess actually, I think the bottom line is not enough pitching. So that is that's everything that is else. The you can line. talk about everything else. Uh, everything else is ancillary. They had a great season. That's a great program. They've gone to Omaha two of the last four years, and they had a fantastic season this year, but uh, you move on. Uh, we move on. Rice versus Texas A&M, Aaron. Uh, I think, you know, I think the, the, the story of this is Rice goes 2-Q and Q in its conference tournament series, and that just seemed to get them mad. Uh, they haven't lost since. I think you, it also got them rested. It, it may have gotten them rested. That's not a bad point. Uh, and the point of this is the Big 12. See you later, Big 12. Thanks no for coming big, out. No Big 12. In the Cowboys series, one team wins a regional out of six. Uh, no teams win super regionals. I mean, you know. Thanks for coming. Thanks out. for coming out. That's all you can say about the Big Twelve. Texas A&M uh, was the best team in that league uh, just about all year long until the last, I guess, two weeks or so. Um, but uh, it's a different Rice team for me. This is more like the Rice O2 team, which didn't really have like superstar draft guys, not yet anyway. Like they did have like the Vince Sinisis and all those pitchers. Right. Those guys weren't the main guys on the team. This is more of like a gritty team, a lot of sixth to tenth round type of guys, uh, star shortstop, obviously in Hague. Right. But this is not a team that's loaded with first round talent, Aaron. And yet it's it a, isn't. It's also not a team that has a really significant weakness. And if Aaron Luda gets hot in Omaha. Uh, Katie bar the door. This team's going to be very tough to beat. You know, I, I think you're right, John. I think you nailed it. I, they, they don't have a, a significant weakness. I, I like them defensively. I like the the playmakers in that lineup. Guys like C. Strunk, and you talked about Haig, and you know a, Adam Zorn seems to come up with, with big with big home runs when they yeah. need him to. So, and supremely experienced team. I think that experience maybe was a right. factor against Texas A&M. Sure. But Rice just seems like a team that's just never going to panic. Deep bullpen. Uh, won a couple close games against the Aggies, and the Aggies had a fantastic year, bounce-back year. But uh, for that program the last couple of years, Rob Childress certainly has them 
going in the right direction as far as yeah. uh, the direction of the program goes. But I, and I think Rice is a better be, team, I think. You're right. And I think A&M will be loaded on the mound next year with uh, you know, those guys. Th- those freshmen will be sophomores, and uh, I think that will make them pretty fearsome. But right now, I mean, Rice, you know, put it this way, they didn't get great starting pitching this weekend either. I mean, Ryan Berry was pretty good, I guess. But yeah. but, but Mike Ogilo, not so great in Game 2. Uh, they just have such a good deep bullpen there is able to bail them out and hold hold the Aggies in check and allow uh, the Owls kind of chip away at that lead. Boy, we talk about Jim Morris, or I talk about Jim Morris handling a bullpen all the time. Wayne Graham knows how to handle a bullpen. I mean, he knows how to leverage his pitchers. He's, we, do, we use the phrase in our office all the time because he used it, and obviously he got it from Bill James, but he's a moment of truth guy. You know, Cole St. Clair's got ten wins. He's only got four or five saves. Right. Uh, Wayne Graham uses his best relief pitcher at the most important part of the game not for a one-inning save in the ninth inning. That's one of the reasons why Wayne Graham has built the program at Rice. Uh, what is this, their seventh Coddle Series trip in the last 11 years? Yeah, I believe it it's is. It's pretty donkey, pretty good, pretty doggone good at, uh, at Rice. You see Irvine, LSU. What a super regional that was. Uh, Irvine, Scott Gorgon, manhandles LSU's very powerful offense. In the opener, Irvine cruises. They're up 7-2 in the eighth after seven great innings by Daniel Babona. Is that, yeah, did I pronounce his name correctly? Right. For UC Irvine. Uh, they're six outs away from Omaha. They're up three in the ninth, three outs away from Omaha from a back-to-back trips for the Anteaters, for crying out loud. And LSU summons a little bit of that mojo, a little bit of that magic, and Palmineri steers. He becomes one of the handful of coaches who's taken two programs to the Coddle Series. LSU rallies and what they score outscored uh, Irvine like twenty-six to four over the next nine innings. Twenty-six just, to uh, twenty-eight to seven, I think. Just unbelievable. Uh, LSU, what a story! Twenty-four wins, I mean, twenty-five wins in the last twenty-six games. Aaron, how did we get here? Yeah, how did we get here? Indeed, I think that's what everyone's asking themselves in college baseball right now. This is, I mean, we said it last week, uh, and I think it still is true. LSU is the story of college baseball right now. I in, agree, in my mind, and, and Fresno State, you know, certainly <laughs> threw itself in the discussion and all these other traditional powers that have, that have made it to Omaha. But LSU, uh, I mean, from where this program was two months ago, yeah. Who would have thought we'd be here right now? I mean, I mean there were going to be some whispers about Palmineri's job security if this year had ended like, say, Auburn's year had, you know, or Arkansas's year, where you maybe don't make the SEC tournament, but you get into the NCAA, and then you go one and two or that kind of thing. You know, I mean, that's kind of where they were headed, Aaron. They were in that jumble. And then the magic just started happening. Give so much credit to that coaching staff, John, because they've – I mean, it was just a matter of being patient not panicking. They right. knew they had young talent. They knew they brought in a lot of good guys, and they had some good veterans on this team too. Uh, and they just they just waited for that that to kind of come together, and and they just got the best out of these guys. I mean, it's a it's an incredibly talented team too, because especially if you look at the outfield, all those athletes out there, right. those guys make plays. I mean, in the, in the infield, Mitchell they're athletic. And Landry they make plays. both made. I mean, it was on display on TV all weekend. Those guys are making plays, but they also have offensive fire, firepower like LSU of old. Yeah, Blake Dean and Matt Clark. Matt Clark's now tied for the National League with 26 home That's runs. Right. How about with, that? I believe it's a four-way tie now between him, Buster Posey, Gordon Beckham, and Michael Harrington. Yes. Who's so, so there's Buster's got some competition for the Triple Crown right now. Three of those, three of those four national leaders still playing in Omaha. That is a storyline I think will be beat to death into the ground, but yeah. I'm sure you'll hear it at the ESPN talent meeting on Thursday night. But uh, you, you got to like that. I mean, three of the top four home run guys in the country are all going to be on display in the Coddled Series, and you're going to see some serious firepower. And then kind of, again, hearkening back to LSU's great teams of old, whether it's Aaron Hill or Mike Fontenot 
or Todd Walker in the last 15 years, LSU's had an offensive player at second base when they have great teams. And Ryan Schimpf is a guy in the middle of their lineup. He's yeah. a power producer. He's a guy. He's, He's a great player. I mean, I, I Mike Hollander, DJ LeMayhew, they've got guys. And I think it's fascinating that LSU and Rice, a couple teams here with some impact freshmen in the middle of the diamond for them at shortstop and Hague and LeMayhew. Absolutely. Uh, kind of interesting uh, common commonality between those teams. And those two coaches have some history in Omaha. Rice at Notre Dame played a classic back in 2002 where uh, Steve Stanley had a leadoff triple to key, a rally in the ninth inning for Notre Dame, and Brian Stavisky with a three-run homer to end it as Notre Dame beat Rice. A big upset in the 2002 Coddled Series with Palmineri over in the end, Notre Dame dugout, and, of course, Wayne Graham over at Rice. So uh, LSU playing North Carolina, Aaron. That's the super regional we went to in person, kind of a non-compete super regional. It was ridiculously hot. And North Carolina is also ridiculously hot. They haven't lost in the postseason. And they, frankly, embarrassed Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina kind of embarrassed itself. I think North Carolina played extremely well. Coastal Carolina played extremely poorly. That's it. It's a combination of the two. Um, and, and, you know, when we looked at the brackets two weeks ago, we said North Carolina has the easiest path. Um, and give North Carolina credit, they're clearly a very good team. But, boy, they sure they sure cruised through those first couple of weekends there. I, I It'll be interesting to see them. Uh, frankly, the competition level will be ratcheted up quite a bit oh, yeah. uh, this coming weekend. So. You're talking about LSU and Rice, so uh, two national championship caliber programs. And Fresno State, which is a 4C, but you know, keep in mind, Fresno State is experienced, they're offensive, and they do have history. This is a program that's been to Omaha before. Granted, it hasn't been since the days of like Eddie Zosky and Bobby J. Jones and you know Dante Powell and these kind of guys back in the day. You know, 1988 or 89, I forget which year it was. 91, I think, was their last That's their appearance. last appearance. But in 89, Fresno State had three first-round picks. Rice was the team that tied. They tied Fresno State's record when they had their top three guys go in uh, 2004, uh, Townsend, Umber, Neiman guys. It was Fresno State's record they, tried, they tied. So... These are some traditional powers, but North Carolina, guess what? North Carolina is now a traditional power. This is seven trips to Omaha for this North Carolina program. Three in a row. Mike Fox pressing all the right buttons. And I've, he, I've said it before, what, wanna, they, yeah. have, they have the right mix. They yeah. have the right no, number of veterans and the talented, uber-talented sophomore. They're sophomore quartet Absolutely. of White, Ackley, Seeger, Fedorov. That's a ridiculous foursome. It really is ridiculous I'd foursome. I'd say it's a fearsome foursome. And, and, and here's the other thing, John. You mentioned Mike Fox. Give this guy credit for, for just, like you said, he pushed all the right buttons this weekend. I was very impressed with uh, the way that that team was managed, and, and um, it seemed like every time you know he made the right pitching changes when he had to, he, he had the right guys in the right parts of the lineup. I mean, he used Garrett Gore after not starting the first game. He came back and got a couple of hits the second game. And the Ryan Grable uh, gambit. Yeah. Subbing out your starting shortstop and putting Grable at short, emphasizing defense. He's basically the Jake Schlander of this team. Uh, we'll get to Stanford in a minute. He's not as good defensively as Jake Schlander. He's pretty darn good. But he steadies them up the middle. He's an upgrade over Garrett Gore defensively. This is a very good move. And you mentioned the pitching stuff. Yeah. It's a great contrast in the second game of that turn of that series with Coastal Carolina. Right. You know, Coastal Carolina starter, uh, McCulley, is in trouble in the second inning. There's no one warming up, and there's no mound visits. North Carolina scores six, just like that. Bottom half, Adam Warren starts walking a guy or two. Scott Forbes, the Carolina pitching coach, is immediately at the mound, reminding Adam Warren, hey, guess what? We're up six runs. Throw some freaking strikes. Right. That's coaching. I mean, nothing against Gary Gilmore. He's built a great program at Coastal Carolina, 50 wins. You know, there's not, that's nothing to sneeze at, but that's a little subtle part of coaching. North Carolina, if they got in trouble, they had guys ready. That's and, they've, and that's the experience of being in Omaha the last two years. Mike Fox knows 
once you start getting in trouble, you better have someone ready before it gets going when it's an elimination game. Coastal Carolina didn't. At the first sign of trouble, Scott Forbes goes out there and settles out of Morton down. And really, he should have had a no-hitter going for six innings. The first hit was a pop-up that Seager lost in the sun. So yeah. uh, North the, Carolina, they, they didn't even have to use Matt Harvey. They had the best arm probably left in the whole draw in Alex White. They had the most experience. There's a good reason why North Carolina could be seen as the favorite going there to Omaha. There certainly is. And, and the last thing about Fox before we move on is is the other move I like that he made was moved uh, Tim Federovich up to the cleanup spot, yeah. dra- dropped Chad Flack a little bit, figured take some pressure off Flack. He was pressing. Uh, Federovich, had started to, Federovich had started to swing a hot bat, and, and you know what? Both of those guys responded. So uh, really just, uh, just, he's, he's just he's just making all the right moves and right And they have now. the left-right-left in the middle of their lineup where you have Federoff, then FedEx, then you have uh, Seager in that five-hole, very dangerous hitter. Right. And the bo- honestly, I think going in here, if it weren't for Yonder Alonso at Miami, I would say that North Carolina has the best pitcher and the best hitter left in the whole tournament, and Alex White and Dustin Ackley. I still might even take Dustin Ackley's hit tool over Yonder Alonso as much as I love Yonder Alonso's hit tool. But honestly, is, with the is, power is, factor is, in, I'll take Yonder Alonso. Is, is that Posey guy in the discussion or that Beckham uh, guy That's kind of silly of me. Yeah, you're right. Beckham is in the discussion, but Posey, Alonso, Ackley, as far as hit tool, yeah. I think they're well, all I, superior. I would agree with that's that. That's nothing against Gordon Beckham. Dustin Ackley's about to hit 400 for the second year in a row. That guy's a stud. Oh, he is. I, but, I, no, I would agree with you. But you're take... right about that Posey guy. Yeah. That Posey guy sometimes, for some reason, slips my mind. Let's talk about that Posey guy here. That Posey guy is ridiculous and uh, ridiculous, and however you want to put it. And he leads Florida State I'll go with against Stanford. John. <laughs> and, I, you know, see, Florida State, Stanford, for an old uh, fart like me, makes me think of uh, 1999, yeah. F- Florida State, Stanford, the Jason Young game, uh, the game that ruined Jason Young's career. Uh, it's an amazing game. I think it was a 13-11 final. It was a winner, go, winner goes uh, on to the championship against Miami. Loser goes home. Uh, and Jason Young goes uh, gives up seven runs in the first four innings against Florida State. Marshall McDougal, Matt Diaz, et al. And uh, then he pitches four shutout innings inexplicably after that from, like, pitch 100 to pitch 175 or something ridiculous like that um, as Stanford rallies. It's just one of the all-time great games I've seen in Omaha. Uh, Florida State won an extra innings because Marshall McDougal was just that good. And this is why, John, uh, the, the Baseball America College podcast is, is, uh, is, is unlike any other uh, listening destination on the Internet because uh, we've got this historical perspective from, uh, from somebody who truly understands the game, John Manuel. So we thank you for, for, for that, certainly. Well, that's cool. But that's Florida State team. First time back in Omaha since 2000. And Stanford, this is like a late, 2000, late, late 20th century grudge match. Because Stanford, Stanford went to Omaha every year from 99 to 2003. Hasn't been back since until now. Florida State, 18 trips. Mike Martin, 11 trips as a head coach. But none since 2000. Yeah. But Mike Martin, no, no titles in 11 trips. Most by any College World Series coach in the history of the event. And I said it a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again. Florida State's best chance right here. They've got some pitching. They've got a power arm in Ryan Strauss that Mike Martin leverages. And they have got... Gerald Buster Posey. <laughs> he is a difference maker. I can't believe I was forgetting about him before. But Buster, uh, I think what it is right now for Buster is the College World Series, the biggest stage for college baseball's best player in 2008. Buster Posey, John, is a very special player. He's a beautiful player. He's, he's I think that's beautiful. what Aleva would say. I love it. He is uh, beautiful. He, that young man is beautiful. He's, he's the biggest difference maker in college baseball. Um, and and. Two top the thing, ten the catchers, thing that, by the way, here. Just Jason Castro on the other side. How about side. that? Uh, how, that's the first time Stanford's looked across the field and the other team's catcher's been better. How about that? That's, that's amazing. That's outstanding. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing about Florida State, though. You know, it's not just Posey. You've got, you've got, you've got Ryan and, and Gwynn 
around him in that lineup, I mean, yep. which just makes it so tough to pitch around Buster. They've got Holt, up you know, front. Holt and, and Stidham uh, setting the table up there. I mean, this lineup is really good. I really wouldn't be surprised to see Florida State slug its way through here. But let, let's let's go back to the Super Regional matchup. Yeah, I'm Wichita. sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they, that's what they did in this regional. They had to, again, second straight weekend, Florida State digs itself a hole, but they're good enough to get out of it, and they don't panic. Signed a good coaching. Mike Martin's team yeah. did not panic, Aaron, after losing to Bucknell. They did not panic after losing the first game to Wichita State. Yeah, you know, I actually I talked to Mike Martin on the phone last week, and uh, he said he was he was in the middle of listening to the Bee Gees, and I was wondering if he was listening to uh, to Staying Alive because that's what those guys have been doing here after losing those first game the last couple of that's weeks. That's a Tommy point right there. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, you know, Wichita, I really thought that that uh, their pitching would give Florida State more trouble, um, but you know, Schaefer and 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 Capra just got pounded, and they those did. are two very good college pitchers with good stuff and. Yeah. They can pitch and, and, and that, experience. To me, that that doesn't bode well for the rest of the uh, the Omaha field here because, uh, you know, Florida State uh, might be might be the best offensive team left. And I know Miami is is outstanding. They're 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 one A one B in that some a, order. That's a very very tough call. I'm going to still give the a little edge to Miami because they did play head to head in Miami. I think Miami has a little more depth in the lineup. I, I I mean, it's you know, take your pick. That's really. right. It is take your pick and. Uh, uh, Baseball America College Podcast. We have too much to say. We need to move on. Let's, let's speed up here. Stanford Fullerton, Aaron. First thing I want to say is kudos to Phil freaking Nevin. Phil Nevin was on point as ESPN's color guy in this Super Regional. Secondly, this was the most well-played Super Regional. Stanford had to beat Fullerton. Fullerton did not beat itself. You know, in Some of the other Super Regionals, there was some sloppiness or just some poor pitching. This was just a case of Fullerton gave Stanford everything they had, and Stanford was good enough to withstand it. Good enough defensively to, to manage the running game of Florida State, uh, Cal State Fulton, keep Fulton off the bases. Good enough on the mound with Jeremy Blythe shoving it. Uh, good enough in the bullpen. Uh, and just good enough offensively with the number 10 overall pick, Jason Castro. Hey, I think it was a little bit of a reach to go 10 overall, but Jason Castro looked like a stud this weekend. And Stanford was on Stanford's biggest strength was on display in this event. If you don't have lefties who can handle their big power left-handed bats, yep. you are playing with fire. Sean Ratliff, Jason Castro, big hits both of them in this event, and that's why they're advancing and why Cal State Fullerton staying at home. That's why Matt Farrell is going to be the key guy for Florida State looking ahead to next week. But, yeah, I think you nailed it once again, John. I think uh, uh, Stanford uh, – Hey, this is a—they're five and zero against Fullerton this year. I mean, they're just—I think they're just a better team. <laughs> yep, yep. Then uh, no other way to spin it. And you mentioned it in your super regional preview with the coach you talked to breaking down Stanford up the middle defense. Castro is good. Cord Phelps is good. Jake Schlander, Chaparral High represent Arizona High Schools. That guy is really good defensively. And Sean Ratliff, maybe 6'3", 225. But that guy can go get him, and he's got a big-time arm. We like teams that are good up the middle, in case you haven't noticed uh, over the years here. i got to tell you, I know he strikes out a billion times, but I love watching Sean Ratliff play. Oh, that guy's yeah. a highlight waiting to happen, whether Big it's time. a strikeout for their team or a home run or a stolen base. NC State, Georgia, a heated super regional in every sense of the word. Again, kudos to Georgia. Uh, Nick Montgomery, two straight weekends. This guy has come up with a big start for them. And uh, offensively, they just jumped all over NC State's best two pitchers, supposedly. Clayton Shunick, who was their best pitcher, and Eric Surkamp, who, let's just say, did not have it when he needed it the most. He didn't get an out on Monday, did he? No, he did not. Sunday? He did not get an out in the championship game of that Super Regional. And uh, NC State, pitching depth, not a factor when you're down 9 nothing after the first inning. You That's just, it. That's uh, it. And they're just not a team that's built to... 
they're not going to come back from that kind of a deficit, even against a team without Georgia's pitching. I mean, it's they're just not constructed that way. They had to they had to at least, if not play with the lead, then at least play with with uh, with uh, a clo- in a close game. And, right. And, you know, once 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 Georgia threw up nine there, that game was over. And the other thing is, we talked about Buster Posey. Let's talk about Gordon Beckham. Uh, your team is in a uh, win this game, you go to Omaha, lose it, you go home, and Gordon Beckham steps up with two home runs. I he's mean, he's uh, just an outstanding player. What more can you say about that guy? I mean, what a year. He does it all. I mean, he's the, he, he, there's a lot of people in the mix for best player in this event. He's certainly in it. What a fantastic year for the Georgia shortstop. Finally, Miami, Arizona, our own Matt Blood was down there for the probably the worst game of the Supers, except for yesterday's 21-7 LSU game, the 14-10 walkathon that uh, Miami won. But again... University of Miami puts itself in a hole, loses the first game. Gutierrez, Carlos Gutierrez, their closer, gets up his first home run all year. They don't panic. I guess maybe they panic a little bit because Jim Morris did bring Chris Hernandez back in the final game. Maybe that's a little bit of panic. But Miami's offense is patient, and we said it. Arizona really just did not have enough offense. Uh, to win this, they they did score ten runs in the game at all, but they didn't have enough offense in the final game. Miami's offense better, and they have just enough pitching. And without Daniel Schlereth, that was really kind of a difference, I think, for Arizona. They didn't have enough pitching to go with their lack of you know, their kind of their hacktastic offense. We talk about Miami survives. I do think Miami, if they have a weakness, it was exposed a little bit this weekend on the mound. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, Eric Erickson needs to be better. Correct. Uh, that's that's a key, key, key thing for them. Kyle Bellamy needs to be better. David Gutierrez needs to be better. Miami's bullpen showing a little signs of wear and tear, Aaron. They didn't quite have as much depth. That's really, the thing. This is not this bullpen is not constructed like Georgia's or NC State's. It's, it's really built around two or guys. North Carolina's. Well, North Carolina's is a great, great point, John. It's, this is Bellamy and Gutierrez. It's, it's been their show all year long, uh, and and the result of that is there's going to be some attrition toward the end of the season. So this is not that's, negative, that'll be a major thing to monitor. This is not meant as a negative, like the negative connotation of this word, but Miami, Miami really is a front-running team. You give them a lead, forget about it. But if you are tied or ahead of them, uh, you know, you have to be wary of their offense, but their pitching is not structured to be a great come-from-behind team. Hey, they've only lost nine games, so whatever they're doing is working pretty well for them. But uh, University of Miami, a uh, you know, great season, you know, great great team, great super regional, you know, winning is a great Arizona team. So always throw that in there. Always love to the, the, the little Jim Morris impersonation out. Aaron, uh which was the best Super Regional for you? Was it just the Fresno State one just because of the sheer shock of it? Or was it the maybe the Fullerton-Stanford one, which I think was played at the highest level? Uh, for me, it was it was the Fresno State Super Regional going to three games. I mean, the, the drama that that last game with, heck, I mean, Arizona State almost came back from a, a, a seven-run deficit in the ninth inning of that third game. I mean, they, they the loaded the bases. The plate. They right. loaded the bases. They had the winning run at the plate. Uh, Matt Newman, who had already hit two home runs in that game, um, you know, that was – to me, that was the, the, the most exciting Super Regional uh, of the weekend, but just a great weekend all the way around. I agree with you, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast recapping it. We'll be back the next couple of days with more podcast fun, bracket-by-bracket bracket breakdowns here on Baseball America, BaseballAmerica.com. If you can't tell, Aaron and I like to talk about college baseball, and uh, we appreciate you downloading it and giving it a listen here at BaseballAmerica.com. Until tomorrow with our College World Series preview podcast, Fair and Fit, I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody.